Let's turn together to Galatians chapter 5. We are uh, in a series, and we're kind of in a sub-series within the series, uh, called Keeping in Step with the Spirit. So we're looking at the Holy Spirit, and uh, we are actually looking at what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And I love the verses we're going to read this morning. We're going to actually start in chapter 5, but we're going to move into chapter 6. I love the verses because they contain this vision for our lives, a, a vision that Paul casts that is like a roadmap for a life well-invested, a roadmap for a life well-lived, uh, a plan for our lives that's bigger than ourselves. It kind of answers that longing in our hearts for something more than ourselves. And here's what I love about it. This vision is available to anyone who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord. It doesn't matter who you are, what your gifting is, what your personality is, what your education level, your financial level. It doesn't matter anything about who you are. This vision that Paul casts is available to every and any believer in Jesus Christ. So, and it really answers that question <clears throat> that believers can ask. I think everybody can ask this question. Why am I here? Why am I planted on this planet? What difference does my life make in the big plan and scheme of things? What we're going to read about this morning is God's encouragement to every believer who feels discouraged or weary or unusable to God. So let's begin reading in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, uh, 16. <clears throat> but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Praise God for that. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions and divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I want you to jump down now to verse 7 in chapter 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap 
if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Father, we pray for your blessing upon this time in your word. Paul says, we will reap what we sow. It's a universal principle that God has built or woven into his creation. It's true in agriculture, but it's true in every other aspect of life as well. What we sow, we will reap. And Paul breaks it down to very simply two seeds. All of our lives, all of our actions can actually be broken down to two seeds. Sowing to the flesh, sowing seeds to the flesh, sowing to the Spirit. Sowing seeds to the Spirit. Verse 8 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. It's pretty amazing when you think about a seed. When you plant a seed, it is pretty amazing because within that seed, all the genetic information of what it will be is carried dormant within that seed. That's why when you plant an apple seed, you will always get an apple tree. It will never like accidentally grow into an oak tree. And vice versa. Because all the information of an apple tree is in the apple seed. And all the genetic code for an oak tree is in that oak seed. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty miraculous when you think about it. The, the reason that the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption isn't some Wow, we didn't see that coming. Written within the genetic code of the flesh is death, is corruption. It is woven into the genetic code of our flesh. And so in chapter 5, Paul identifies many of the works, or we could call seeds, of the flesh. Sexual immorality, jealousy, enmity, hatred, anger. Fits of anger, division, strife, these things. It's not hard to see that these are the seeds of the flesh. And that list is not exhaustive. It's, it's not as though if you say, well, wow, uh, I don't see gossip in that list, so I think I can gossip to the Spirit. No, we know, we know when Paul says such like these, we know the seed of the flesh. We can sense what the seed of the flesh, and the seed of the flesh will reap corruption. We know that in our fleshly bodies, we are living time bombs. We will die eventually, unless the Lord comes back before that. The seeds of the flesh, our sinful desires, are, are these, these, the list that he lists, before that corruption starts to grow a harvest before we physically die 
there is a harvest that rots away the corruption, which is death, but it's a, it's a rotting death. That rotting death begins to eat away at life, at meaning, at relationships, at our souls. That begins to, we begin to reap a harvest of death when we sow to the flesh. If we sow anger into a relationship, eventually that relationship will begin to die corrupt, a slow corruption. We will begin to reap eventually what we've sown unless there's change and repentance. If we sow sexual immorality or jealousy, envy, division, it might feel good sowing the seeds into the ground. It will never feel good reaping the harvest that those, the fleshly seeds will bring. Paul is warning us. He's trying to get our attention. If we're stuck in a place where we're sowing into something fleshly seeds, I, it doesn't matter how good it feels when you're putting the seed in the ground. Boy, this feels good. You ever, you ever notice when you're angry that it feels good to get it off your chest? And by the way, there is a right way to be angry and sin not. I haven't figured it out yet. Uh, I don't know if I've ever done it, but there is a right way. Anger is a God-given emotion. But 99.9% of the time when we are angry, when I want to give someone a piece of my mind, you ever get that? And I'm telling you, it's a weird dynamic because as you begin to give a piece of your mind, it just the anger grows. It grows in you. If I keep my mouth shut, that anger will eventually dissipate. But if I open my mouth, that anger gets hotter and hotter and hotter. And I'm saying things that are more and more extreme. And it's only later when the anger is gone that I begin to realize the damage I've done. The stupidity of my anger. Paul is saying, don't wait till you get the harvest. Recognize it before you sow the seed. Don't sow to the flesh. That reaps death. But do, Paul says, and this is what we want to focus on this morning, do sow to the Spirit. Because he says, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I love that. He doesn't just say life. He says eternal life. God is the author of life. Amen? God created life. There is no life apart from God. Everything that lives, lives because of the breath of God. God is the author of life. There is no death in God. There is no death in God. So the life that God gives and the life that God lives is by its nature eternal because there's no death. The thing that ends life is death. There is no death in God. So the life He gives is eternal life. And so eternal life is woven into the genetic code of the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit gives is eternal life. What he, when we sow to the Spirit, we are sowing that which is eternal in its blessing and life. We've been looking at keeping in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step, you don't have to, I don't have to keep in step with someone who's sitting down. 
Keeping in step implies they are moving. The Holy Spirit is moving. He is active. He is not stagnant. He is working. And keeping in step with Him means coming alongside, staying in cadence with Him, moving with Him, working with Him. And what Paul invites us here to is to work with Him, keep in step with Him, so with Him to eternal life. What an invitation for us to enjoy. And to make sure, Paul wants to make sure we don't think this invitation is just for like ivory tower scholars, biblical scholars and theologians and, and those philosophers who can under... He wants to make it so simple, a child can grasp. So he boils down, what is keeping in the Spirit when it comes to sowing to the Spirit look like two words, do good. Do good. He says it over and over again. Sowing to the Spirit means doing good. Verse 9, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good. This is about action. This is about action. Doing good. So in a couple weeks, we're going to look at in a little more depth, the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Lord on our character because that is core. That is essential. But this morning, I want us to be considering more the emphasis of what we do, our actions, because that's where Paul's landing here. Sowing to the Spirit is doing. It is action. It is doing good works. Now, we know with all our souls that we are not saved by good works. Amen? We are not saved by good works. But we are saved for good works. Jesus didn't save us so that we can be better sinners and sin even more flagrantly. He saved us to set us free from sin. First, from the penalty of sin... And that happens immediately. We will not face God's judgment for our sin because of Christ. But then from the power of sin, so that we're not living lives burdened and rotting from sin. Praise God, that is a beautiful, powerful thing. So God saves us, not by good works, but He saves us for good works, which He has created in advance that we should walk in. Sowing to the Spirit is action. It is doing good, Paul says. So I want to share just a few thoughts about sowing to the Spirit. And this is not going to be exhaustive, but I pray that the Lord will stir in our hearts some, some, some help with this. Let's sow to the Spirit by faith. It's got to be by faith. Paul writes in Galatians 3, we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. When we believed in Christ, we received the Holy Spirit. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. We received it by faith. And every day we should stir up faith, brothers and sisters, that the Holy Spirit resides within you. He is within you. You may not feel tingly. You may not feel like you're glowing. You may not feel power. But the Holy Spirit is within you. Let's stir up with 
faith every day. I was driving the other day and I, uh, my mind started to go into kind of a negative rut. And all of a sudden, I think it was the Spirit just kind of said, you know what, this is a beautiful day. God is glorious. The day is glorious. Love Him and serve Him. And it's like, whoa. Just a faith. Get up in the morning and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me and give me opportunities to sow by faith. So we know when we read chapter 5 that sowing to the Spirit primarily refers us back to chapter 5, sowing to the fruit of the Spirit. You see, what the Holy Spirit produces in us is fruit. But here's the funny thing about fruit. Fruit contains seeds. And those seeds grow into fruit. So which came first, the seed or the fruit? I don't know. I'm not going to answer that. But seeds grow into fruit, and fruit contains seeds to grow more fruit. So the fruit of the Holy Spirit in us is not a seedless fruit. It's a seed-filled fruit that we might sow more of that fruit wherever we go. So where we sow love, which is a fruit of the Spirit, we are sowing to the Spirit. Where we sow patience, a fruit of the Spirit, we are sowing a seed of patience. And I think faith helps us to realize that this isn't just about us doing it alone for God. It's the Holy Spirit giving us opportunity. When you want to, when I, I shared earlier that there's times I want to give a piece of my mind. And when this, it's like, Lord, help me to go in a different direction. Help me sow something very different into this situation, into this relationship. And the Spirit of God helps to sow patience. That's sowing the Spirit. And then faith also says, Lord, I believe as I sow this seed of kindness, you will use it. Let's sow by faith. Secondly, let's sow as God gives us opportunity. Verse 10 tells us, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. As we have opportunity, that's your field. God doesn't expect you to sow where you have no opportunity. He gives you a field. And that field is anywhere and everywhere we are. As we have opportunity, as God brings people into our lives, situations into our lives, that's where God wants us to sow. We're not responsible to sow where God hasn't given us opportunity but we are responsible and we are privileged to sow where we do have opportunity. There are people you know, there are people you influence, there are situations you're in that no one else in this room has. That's your opportunity. It's right where you are. Don't say, okay, well, okay, I got to move far away in order to sow to the Spirit. No, you don't. It is right there surrounding you, your life right where you are, as we have opportunity. And listen, this is why I get excited about this. Because God isn't concerned about the size of the opportunities you have. He's not concerned about how big your opportunities are. What He's concerned with is what we do with the opportunities we have. 
I truly suspect and believe that one day we're going to find out that the people with the biggest opportunities may end up with the smallest fields, harvests. And the people with the smallest opportunities, unknown, unacclaimed, unnoticed, will end up with the biggest harvests. I suspect that. So I want to just encourage you, don't be discouraged. I don't care who you are and say, I don't have many opportunities. I just don't have many opportunities. I don't have a big platform. I'm not doing anything impressive. I'm just not able to make, to do that much for the kingdom. I want to encourage you. No, 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 no. Right where you are, as you have opportunity, right where you are, that's, that's what God cares about. So where you are. So patience, so love, so joy, so, so kindness, so compassion where you are. I don't know what it is. I think we live in such a off-kilter society, culture, where we celebrate celeb- celeb- uh, celebrities and we think you got to hit some kind of celebrity marker for your life to make a difference in the kingdom. I can remember as a young Christian thinking, boy, if so-and-so got saved, they could do so much for the kingdom. You know, so-and-so became a Christian, they could do so much. I have seen over the years some so-and-sos become Christians, and they actually have done, it seems like, very little for the kingdom. I've seen a few do harm for the kingdom. I have believing now, it's not the celebrity, and don't get me wrong, if somebody's blessed to be a celebrity and they can do that well, Praise God. But I have come to believe it is the people that no one's clapping. They're not on TV. They're not speaking to arenas. They're not known around the world. They don't have 25 books. They don't have any of that. But they love Jesus and they're sowing faithfully in small, endless, daily kind ways that nobody claps. And maybe that's a part of the discouragement. You don't get a clapping. Nobody, but God sees. God sees and you sow those seeds and the harvest will come. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. What we sow, we will reap. And that is good when we're sowing to the Spirit. So, when someone's burdened down by a weight, and you come along and help carry that weight, you're sowing. Paul talks about that at the beginning of chapter 6. We didn't read it. When someone's discouraged, And you come along in a busy day and take a moment to speak a word of encouragement to them. Just a kind word. You pray with them. You're sowing to the Spirit. You're sowing, I care. I care about you. You're pointing them to hope. You're pointing them to Jesus. You're pointing them to the promises of God. And when you do that, you're sowing to the Spirit. I've talked to many people over the years who have shared that they're behind-the-scenes kind of people. Don't raise your hand, but maybe you're a behind-the-scenes person. You love to serve behind the scenes where no one sees. And I just want to say what a hero you are when you serve behind the scenes. There's applause. There's acclamation. You're just not hearing it yet. It's waiting for you.
Because God is pleased. God is blessed. You're using the opportunities you have to sow to the Spirit. The Good Samaritan did not call the newspapers to report, hey, uh, I just want to let you know if you could put it, run it tomorrow's news. I just helped a guy, gave money, did a lot of good. My name, here's how you spell it, G-O-O-D. He didn't do that. We wouldn't know about this guy if Jesus hadn't shared a parable about him. He didn't do it for acclamation. The only guy who knew it was the, the innkeeper and the guy beaten up. It's the quiet things that nobody knows about. Every, every one of you, you know, I know, and have been so blessed over the years, Seeing the heart of, of you, brothers and sisters, your heart of love for people, your care for people, your care for the church. And you are such a blessing. I just want you to know how important that is. What you will reap. You are reaping. You know, every Sunday, um, there's people serving that in ways that is not really seen. Every Sunday, there's, there's someone sitting back on the soundboard. Today, it's Tim. And there's someone at the projector. Today, it's Son. And there's someone at the live stream. Today, it's Eli. Good job, guys. Yeah. And these guys, yeah. And other Sundays, it's other people. And they serve back there quietly. And we don't have, you know, these phones. We don't have any of them pointed back them to be on them while they're serving. They're just serving. And there's so many others who serve in different quiet ways. And in every Sunday now, you know, thankfully, I'm so grateful, we have people who get up and take kids out to their classrooms. And what do they do there? There's no cameras in there. You know, the New York Times isn't writing an article about what's going on in our green room right now. It's so not fanfare. They're in there and it's probably some craziness and some, you know, goofiness and all that. But they are sharing, they are sowing God's Word into the hearts and lives of these children. And that can make an eternal difference. I remember classes I was in when I was six years old. I can remember the Sunday that death and the resurrection hit my soul as a five-year-old. Seeds of God's Word and hope to counteract the seeds of despair and hopelessness and empty worldly promises, who can measure the value of that? And yet there's no applause. We're just, our goal is that they just don't get duct taped up and you know the kids <laughs> run away. Uh, we thank God for all of you who serve. And, and it's not just in the church. So you, you, you do things... So many of you to serve in so many ways. I just want to commend you and say, understand, make the connection. You are sowing to the Spirit when you are sowing the seeds of the Spirit. Make the connection. It's not how big the opportunities are. It's our faith and faithfulness to sow as we have opportunities that matter to God. The biggest harvests are not going to be the result of some massive seed sowing venture where we go out with tractors and all that. It's going to be daily little acts Little at a time, little every day, little bit here, little bit there, that eventually create a, a field of harvest. And we reap eternal life.
by the goodness of God. So let's sow as we have opportunity. Let's sow to reap a harvest of souls for Christ. I mean, that was so much integrated in what Ken shared today about the opportunities, the people touching lives. I don't think when Paul says we'll reap eternal life, I, I, I don't think the main thought in his mind there is that we will have eternal life. We have eternal life in Christ. He's speaking to Christians. We have eternal life through faith in Christ. He's talking about sowing. He's talking about sowing and he's talking about reaping. He's talking about a field and he's talking about a harvest. And he says seeds typically produce other fruit. Some 10, some 20, some 30, some 100 fold. But you plant one seed and not always, and I'm no agri, but you know, a lot of times a lot of plants or a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables come from that one seed. That's what Paul's talking about, I think, that our life and our influence and our sowing to the Spirit produces eternal life that goes far beyond our lives into other people's lives to leave the imprint of Christ on someone's life. I find this so fascinating. I, just, I think I probably shared it before, but I just love certain information. On July 20th, 1968, 69, Neil Armstrong was the first man to set foot on the moon. He stepped onto the moon, and we all know the saying that he, he said into the thing, this is one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. That happened over 52 years ago. Do you know that the footprints that he left, that they took pictures of, those footprints are still there on the moon? And NASA... Scientists estimate they will be there for a million years. Because there's no atmosphere, there's no wind, there's no animals, there's no water, there's nothing there to disturb the footprints. That one footprint of a man, that giant leap for mankind, has left a footprint on the moon that could well be there for a million years. When we, by the Spirit in us, Leave an impression for Christ. A million years doesn't even tell half the story. Because that impression is eternal. That is pointing their souls to the eternal promises and the eternal hope of God. And I'm telling you, when we come to the end of this life and, and, and someone that you shared Jesus with and had a part in sowing, and often we're not the only ones sowing. God is using many people to sow. But someone you sowed into their life who then passes from this life to the next, that is not the end of the story. That's barely the beginning. Because one day you will stand before them and you're going to embrace each other and say, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Your influence, your life, your heart, your words, your sharing Jesus in words and in actions leave imprints and influences that God wants to use, not just for time, but for eternity. Let's sow to reap a harvest of souls. And finally, let's sow even when we grow weary. Paul encourages us not to grow weary of doing good. And there's a good reason for that. There's a good reason that he says, don't get weary. 
Time is wearying. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever started something out really excited? Oh, man. And then three years later, you're still doing it and you're weary. Oh, I'm so weary. And we can start to wonder, especially if we're not seeing a whole lot of harvest coming up, you know, like, what am I doing? Is this making any difference? I am tired. And when God's called you to do something, listen, there are times when God says, okay, enough sowing there. Do good somewhere else. But do not grow weary of doing good, Paul says. Don't give up on it. Don't give weary of sowing to the Spirit. Because there is a delay between when we sow and when we reap. That's why he says don't be deceived. God is not mocked. God has built it into the genetic code, but a lot of times people sow their wild oats and they don't see any consequences. They sow sin, they don't see any harm done. And they begin to get deceived into thinking, I am sowing. And I'm not reaping. I'm getting away with it. No, you're not. There's always a delay between when we sow and when we reap. Well, the same is true when we sow to the Spirit. There's often a delay between when we put the seed in and when we reap the harvest. Paul says, don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't stop. Don't get weary in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not give up. I, that last line suggests that we may not reap if we quit. Quitting can affect the harvest, at least our end of the harvest. Sometimes we could quit just before we reap. And that quitting can stop the reaping, the process. And I don't think Paul's saying this to lay, lay a heavy grip guilt trip on us, or anything like that. I think he's trying to say, listen, I know it's, you get weary. I know Paul got weary, I am sure. And day in, day out. But don't grow weary. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't let weariness be what fills you. Let the Holy Spirit fill you with and refill you with His energy, His love, and His power. Don't give up. Faithfulness is sowing when we don't necessarily feel like sowing anymore. And it's precious to the Lord. Jesus said one day, He's going to reward the faithful servant with these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. You have sown. Now you're going to reap. That's true for all of us. I want us as we close in prayer to um, take a little time in the presence of the Lord and uh, I'd like to ask you to just kind of take your seat and, and turn it into a bit of an altar before the Lord. As we take this time to pray. I think the Lord's laid a burden on my heart. And I don't know who it's for, but Someone who's discouraged with where their life is right now. Maybe you're discouraged some of the twists, some of the turns that your life has taken. And it's your life is where you, not where you necessarily wanted it to be. Maybe you are discouraged because you don't feel like you're making much of a difference. 
Maybe you feel like the Lord can't use you. Maybe you think, you know, when my life is over, what will the difference be? But man, you just sow the seeds. Just sow the seeds. Just sow to the Spirit. Love, patience, compassion. And don't dig up the seed and say, is it growing yet? Just trust God. Sow and trust. Sow and trust. Trust the Holy Spirit is using you to leave an imprint for Christ in someone's life. I was thinking of two people. Sorry. Two people who are both with the Lord now, who had a tremendous imprint on my life, but I didn't realize it at the time. For Jesus, my father, my grandmother. When I lived and interacted with them, often it was just your normal interactions, and sometimes a little annoyance. I was a teenage kid with my dad when he passed away. I don't know that I ever told them the difference they made in my life. You may never hear it. But one day you'll hear it. Just keep sowing. Just keep sowing. Do good. Do good. Do good. So that's for the person who's discouraged. There might be someone else. You're looking at the harvest of your flesh and you see so much that you regret. You've sown those seeds of anger. You've sown those seeds of bitterness. You've sown seeds that you so regret. And maybe you've seen harvest. And maybe there's barren fields that you cannot undo. Here's the bad news. God, I don't want to say can't, but He doesn't reverse that. He's not going to reverse the harvest. He's not going to take it back like He never did. That's the bad news. Here's the good news. God does redeem. God is able to redeem. Oh, I've seen God take some terrible seeds and turn them into beautiful things that glorify His name. So let him take your regrets and turn them into redeemed. Trust God with it. You know, when Jesus bore that thorn, crowny thorn, that was a representative of the barrenness that our being king of our lives always results in. The flesh results in corruption. He wore that crown of thorns to identify with us and to receive it upon himself and the penalty of that barrenness that we might be set free from it. So I want to just say, if that's you, don't live in regret. Say, Lord, free me from regret. I can't undo it. And God's not going to undo it. 
but he will redeem it. And I'm going to start trusting you. Instead of regretting and wasting energy on regretting, I'm going to start trusting you to redeem that. And I'm going to start sowing to the Spirit. And watch what God does. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's bring our hearts to God. Lord, we sang earlier, what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, O oh God, completely to you. We want our lives to make a difference for time and eternity. And yet, we know we have nothing to do that with, but, but actually we do. Your Holy Spirit living within us. Lord, I pray that you will encourage the discouraged this morning. I pray that you will give a fresh vision for how you want to use that person's life. A fresh excitement about sowing to the Spirit in their relationships, in their whatever situation they're in. I also pray you encourage their hearts with how much you applaud their faithful serving that maybe no one else sees. And I pray you help them to enjoy some of the harvest, even now, as they reap. Lord, I pray so much for that person who lives with regret, crushing their heart. They love you, they know you, they trust you, but they just live with regret. They think of choices they made, decisions they made. They think of where that has affected in the and the, the death, the corruption that the flesh has, has reaped in those areas. And I, I just pray for them that they would sense a new hope beginning to seep into their heart. That you are the awesome redeemer of our sin and brokenness. And I just pray that, Lord, you will pour hope into their hearts. You will set them free from a chain's chains of regret, and you will set them free to believe in you, to pray for redemption in those fields that they look upon, and sow in a fresh, with fresh passion, sow to the Spirit, Lord. As we leave here, Lord, we don't want to get complicated with this. We want to do good. Real good. Not not, not good. Real good. Sowing love kindness, patience, gentleness, forbearance, joy, and all the fruits of the Spirit. So Lord, right now we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Fill us with the love of Christ. Fill us with the love of the Father. And let us be sowers in a whole fresh new way with fresh vision and fresh encouragement. And we ask this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
I just want to encourage you, if you are one of those that maybe had one of those things stirring in your heart, to to go to a faithful brother or sister and just pray with them. And because we are not meant to do this alone. And I just want to encourage you to go with them and, and just share and pray and kind of get it off your heart and say, would you pray with me? I'm struggling with this. Um, church, we're, we're in this together. Amen? We are. That's what the church is. So we get to do this together, and we get to lift each other's arms up in encouragement as well. God bless you guys. Have a great week.